0: Right, happy Wednesday. This is another episode of Learning Tech Talks where we are exploring the landscape of learning technology, cutting through the fluff and getting questions answered that you want answered. This isn't about me, this is about you anyway. So today I am joined by John Ambrose and we are talking about language learning, which is a bit of a deviation from the usual tech front that you hear kind of blowing up in the space, which is actually a really important discussion to have I'm actually really looking forward to this one. Uh, But before we get into it, we're just going to have a little bit of warm up fun like we always do and then we're going to get into the conversation so for those of you who are just joining, please. Take a minute and take a minute. If it takes you a minute to type this into the comments, you got to work on your typing skills. I'll send you some Mavis Beacon, but comment and share Comment and share where you're joining from today. John, let's start with you. Sure. Where are you right now?
1: Hey, Christopher. Well, first of all, uh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Uh, right now, I am in um, the thriving metropolis of Quakertown, Pennsylvania, <clears throat>
0: Wakertown, Pennsylvania,
1: Wakertown, Pennsylvania. Yeah, a little town uh, in Bucks County, which is a pretty famous county uh, just outside of Philadelphia. So uh, for anybody familiar with this geography, we're north of Philadelphia um, and I guess kind of east, southeast of New York City. So we're a okay. uh, half hour from New York and right. uh, I, mean, I mean, sorry, an hour from Philadelphia and about an hour and a half from New York. Right near Lehigh University, if anybody knows okay. that.
0: How big is Quaker Town?
1: It's tiny. It is tiny, man. Um, Define
0: yeah. tiny, because I grew up in a town of 997. Okay, so we're not that people tiny. people say tiny, yeah. and I All go, right. ah, yeah. you don't know tiny.
1: That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, well, I grew up not far from Quaker Town, a few towns down the road in a town called Percasee, and when I grew up there, we didn't have any traffic lights. So the big okay. thing when I grew All up right. was the first traffic light. Quaker Town has a few more. We've got big retail okay. area. We're on a main road. Oh, we're, look at that. right near the turnpike. A thriving, a th- it's thriving, thriving. buzzing community. Okay. Definitely, right. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and you and you literally you literally can walk out the door of my office and hop a bus to New York City and be in New York City in two hours. You See, can do it's the Wi-Fi on the balance. bus.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect yeah. balance. It's the perfect balance. All Absolutely. Right. Quakertown. Well, Quakertown. We got some people who we got some people who knew exactly where it was. they are like Bucks County. So Bucks oh, County. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> All right. And a so
1: little little known fact about Quakertown is when uh, during the Revolutionary War they actually moved the Liberty Bell from Philadelphia and hit it in a building just down the street from our office here. So there you go. Oh,
0: there you go. All right. And your office is there. You're in the office right now, right? In the
1: office, yes. We've been in the office okay. since uh, July last year. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. All right. So Quakertown, Pennsylvania. Yeah. I'm in Waukesha, Wisconsin, where I always am. Very familiar environment for anybody who's watched. I've got Fred here joining me in the background. So let's shift gears over to, we got to have the icebreaker question. I'm really excited to hear this one because you struggle, you're like, I, I gotta, I'm going to have to think about this one a little bit, but this is going to give me a little bit more insight into John, although there's something else you shared that I was like, wow, he, he said this so casually, but let, I'm curious your answer on this. Who is your most interesting relative? I said interesting, so I'm interested to see where you go with this, and if you're watching, you can comment in and share as well, but John, who's your most interesting relative and why?
1: <laughs> well, I, this one really stumped me. I, I had to think hard because first, at first glance, I thought I have no interesting relatives, and then as I start thinking about, it, I got I many, many interesting, on that. I many interesting you relatives. On that. <laughs> but I will say my, my most, most interesting one was probably my grandfather, my my maternal grandfather, uh, and for a couple of reasons. One is um, he, uh, you know, he lived in a different period of time, but but he was. Uh, you know, he was a sole proprietor ran his own business and his business was wall scraping so wall you know we scrapping. don't we don't, we don't people don't even use wallpaper anymore any longer but it was very fashionable in the day and and when yeah. you when you want to change your room you had to call someone into wall scrape to scrape the papers off the walls and uh, that was his business and he did it for you know decades and decades and had a very successful small business doing that but uh, yeah, but and he was also uh, uh, first generation American his, his parents came over from Italy and spoke Italian in the house, and so I was exposed to Italian. On, uh, He married a Polish woman, and she spoke Polish in the house. So growing up, I didn't know what language to actually speak, uh, which I can <laughs> so is language
0: learning thing is very back. close it's to deep, home. Deep, you know what? I'm embedded. seeing the correlation. It's deeply
1: embedded. Deeply, deeply embedded. embedded. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah.
0: Wall scraper. Yeah, yeah you know what? Yeah. I can see. And it didn't used to be like now. You just throw a new coat of paint on the walls. So right. wall yeah. scraper, that yeah. is probably one of those jobs like – that no longer exists. I don't know that there's That's right. That's right. Papers yep. Anymore. Okay. That's right. Fascinating. Yeah. See, you did it. You I did, did it. it. You struggled <laughs> with interesting and we got you there. Yeah. So mine is, I have an uncle, Uncle Jeff, and he, he has traveled the world. He's a civilian in the army. And I just remember, even as a kid, he would come back from these foreign, he would bring me all these really cool things. He had stories behind everything. He was in a different country every year time i talked to him i swear he still is he's still i think now he's in dc he came back stateside but i had an uncle jeff and he was one of the most cultured people that i know to this day in terms of you if you knew a country he'd been there and he knew the culture and he knew wow. this and that and he could tell you stories and he had something in his house from there and i was always fascinated by the fact that he he did that and very, still still like he's still around so i still know uncle jeff he's probably not watching but (laughs) (laughs) all right well so let's let's change gears a little bit into the ed tech conversation at hand but before we do you've been in this isn't your first round in ed tech at all by any by any state of the definition. So, a little bit of background. I know I knew who John Ambrose was long before we had this show, but others may you may be a new name to them. So, what's what's kind of the story behind how you got here? Now, obviously we heard a lot of different languages being spoken at home. Yeah. So, there's that connection, but then how did you end up at GoFluent because I think many people may associate you with SkillSoft in your time at SkillSoft.
1: Sure, sure. No, it's, um, yeah, it's, it, it's a, a funny journey. Um, but, uh, first of all, I've always been a, a language, um, uh, sort of, um, wannabe. Savant? <laughs> I, no, I'm far from the savant. <laughs> the word crossed my mind, but it's more of a wannabe. I, a frustrated okay, okay. language, a frustrated language learner. Um, and, you know, I, I lived in France for a couple of years and, and uh had immersion courses before we went and and uh, it you know language is one of those things that's really difficult. It's hard to, to get the stick So uh, I've always been fascinated by language learning. and uh, at Skillsoft uh, for you know I was at SkillSoft for nearly twenty years, Uh language was one of the areas that Skillsoft didn't cover in its curriculum. So okay. Skillsoft had a very broad, portfolio still does great portfolio. Of, you know, business skills and IT skills and compliance and leadership and management and so forth. Yeah. Uh, but, but languages was always a specialty that, that um, is a specialty and, and Skillsoft um, did yes. not have a curriculum uh, for that. So when I left Skillsoft, uh, I, I met the founder of, of GoFluent, uh, Christophe Ferrandu, 14 years ago. Um, in New York City, we had breakfast at a uh, Weston Hotel uh, on the east side. I remember I had blueberry pancakes for breakfast. It was just one of those <laughs> meetings, one of those meetings that you-, you Serendipitous.
0: Made, it was you just serendipitous. serendipitous. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, he was he, he was he's based in France, but he came over. He was here on business, and he called me, and uh, I was in New York City. We said it would meet. We had breakfast, and it was just you know hour meeting, and a and, uh, very very nice person. We talked about his business. He was in the very early stages of, of building okay. GoFluent, and, and at first he was building a network it was almost like an Uber for um, language instructors. And okay. he built this network of, of language instructors who could help coach individuals who are trying to improve language. And uh, he and I talked about his vision and where he was going with the company. And, and um, we stayed in touch over the years. And when I left Skillsoft, he was one of the first people to call me and say, hey, John, what are you doing? You know, can, we, can we do some things together? And I said, <laughs> no, Chris. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm done. I, I really, I, I really, I, I want to go do something completely different in food technology or uh, a different technology. I'm moving space. back to Quaker
0: Town. I'm moving I'm to, to Quaker
1: to town. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and he was he was very persistent, and uh, one thing led to another, and I, I agreed to do a little consulting, and then before long, uh, I was I was bit by the language bug, and and had to be back yeah. into it. It's such an exciting place to be. It's such an exciting. Time in, in just sort of global transformation that um, this this area is just uh, very very appealing and uh, and and the impact we can have on companies and individual lives is amazing. So
0: okay, all so right. Here. You know what's funny? In addition to the story, I'm never going to forget John Ambrose got connected with GoFluent over blueberry pancakes <laughs> in <brainless>. France. Like that's. <laughs> That's you know, the story of how the serendipity all happened. It's but you're, amazing. The, the stories you have on this are great backstage for those of you who, well, obviously you weren't backstage, but he, earlier in this, he's telling me this story about how he's on a plane and he's with uh, Bill Gates on his way to a Microsoft, con- just so casually. So the, John, you have given me some some nuggets that I think will forever stick in my mind in terms of <laughs> the history of John Ambrose and his, his uh, journeys along the way. But so let's talk about this language thing, because uh, when we first met and we're talking about this, I don't know that this subject really gets talked about enough in our industry. Even to your point with, with Skillsoft, I mean, lots of things out there in terms of content, you know, business skills, IT skills, all these different things. And then... You talk language, and I've even been in conversations where you'll hear this, I posted about it in getting ready for this, where sometimes you'll talk about even rolling something out and you'll bring up the language conversation. And it's almost met with, oh, no, I mean, everybody speaks, everybody speaks whatever the primary language is of the company. It's an assumption many companies often make about their workforce. And that's not the case. So I'm curious, what about it really gravitated you to it? And where do you, what are some of the things that you've seen kind of evolve about that?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question, Christopher. And I would say that, um, first of all, having, having lived overseas in a couple of countries myself, um, and having struggled with trying to speak the local language, I know how hard it can be for, for people. Um, And most companies um, most global companies that are not headquartered in the U.S. are very sensitive to language and have um, yeah. programs in their L&D organizations focused on helping individuals develop language skills. It, it's just it's a de facto standard. That's that's how most companies outside the U.S. think and operate because they recognize language as such a critical skill. Um, in the U.S., but if you look at the number of like, Fortune 500 companies that are headquartered in the U.S., the U.S. has, the, has a much yeah. larger percentage than any other country in the world. And the Anglo mindset, the English mindset, is, is one where we kind of um, make an assumption that people that we hire elsewhere in, in the world will speak English. test, right? we'll test. speak we'll test. They must yeah. speak English. In fact, we're going to make sure they speak English because we're going to test them when they come in the door you know, before they're even hired. So there's this this notion that there's this filtering process and that's going to make sure that um, our organization, our global organization of 25, 50, 100,000 people around the world can all communicate and collaborate. And communication is the key to collaboration. You can't collaborate if you can't communicate.
0: No, it was interesting. It was interesting leading up to this. My son and I happened to be talking about this in general. And we, anyway, I don't know why I was talking to him about learning tech talks. He's 10, but he was interested in the language concept. And we got on this discussion of how do you think it would feel if you couldn't speak or read what anybody around you was saying? And even at 10, he went, how would you get anything done? I, he just He could not fathom what it would be like to not be able to understand people around you. I mean, this is a real pain point, yeah, and,
1: and, and it's a pain point, and we don't often recognize as Americans or not just Americans, but as people who, by the randomness of of birth, have been given this gift of speaking English natively, you know instinctively. Yep. it's hard- hardwired in our brain. Um, But if you think about the 8 billion people on the planet and think about how many people actually speak English natively, I guarantee the audience would be shocked at the the percentage of people on this planet who speak English natively. It's only about 5%. 5% 5%, of 8 billion people on the planet speak English natively.
0: So this assumption that everybody speaks English, at least, you know, well, is... So far from the truth,
1: so far from the truth, right. And then you know, so now, okay, we, you know, but we hire smart people. So the people we hire speak multiple languages, they may not speak English natively, but they can speak two or three languages. And that's true. And people do develop other language skills. Um, but if you take the people who have even uh, a conversational level of, of language proficiency in English, the percentage only gets up to the high teens. So we're excluding a large part of the global population from the opportunities that that we enjoy in uh, in in companies that are growing globally and take for granted. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. And so that that, that, you know, to me, that that's really the you know. um, an eye opener for many people in L and D, especially in large large multinational yes. companies, because they don't recognize the disparity in in, um, in numbers in terms of you know language proficiency. As you know, they say it's um, you know it's it's a skill that's uh, that's widely available, but it's but it's you know unevenly distributed around the world. It's very unevenly distributed. You know,
0: English, yeah. uh, extremely well. And I know moving into one of my first global roles, it really was an eye opener when you started realizing even though i didn't have the statistics that i didn't know those statistics that's a pretty staggering statistic that we're making these assumptions on but i even recall going into that realizing that not only from a language standpoint and again whether it's whether if not having fluency in a language is very different than i have basic understanding i can yeah. i can maybe recognize some basic things because especially american english we've got some Phrases and things that we throw into things. And I remember stepping into my first global role, just talking and realizing very quickly, nobody has any idea what I'm saying because of how I'm putting sentences together.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny because it it reminds me of a story and I'm going to embarrass, hopefully not, uh, a a good (laughs) friend of mine. Uh, Danny Johnson is. You, I'm sure you know Danny. She's. I know uh, Danny. Yeah, she's. Uh,
0: great. <laughs> I embarrassed her when she was on the show
1: once, so it's it's okay, fine. All right. <laughs> it's all fine. Okay, good. But but we had when I first joined GoFluent, I met with her at one of the trade shows, and and uh, you know, I was giving her an overview of what we were doing, and uh, and I, I said, you know, try to explain to her that there's a difference between conversational fluency and business yes. proficiency, and she's smiling at me. I'm like, Danny, why are you smiling? She says. Well, you know I speak Spanish, don't you? I'm fluent in Spanish. And I said, no, I didn't know that. She said, yeah, 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 I, I'm fluent, or at least I thought I was. She said, you know, I, I speak it, you know, conversationally, no problems. I, you know, and uh, I was in the, um, in the Caribbean meeting with the head of the uh, Red Cross for the Caribbean. And we were having a meeting, and, and he had his whole entourage in there. And, and since we were meeting in the Caribbean, I, I said to them, let's do the meeting in Spanish. And she said, within five minutes, I was completely lost yep. because the, the vocabulary, the cadence, the examples, everything. the technical jargon, everything is different than conversational language. And that's, that's a big um, it's a big issue for companies that test for a basic level of proficiency right. at the outset. And they bring employees into the workforce and um, they're ill-equipped, they're, they're ill-equipped. ill-equipped,
0: they're ill-equipped to be successful. They're set up for failure, and, and again that that story, I'll I'll have to give Danny a hard time about it next time we we'll catch up. But I had I, I had a similar experience, not in the business. I mean, it kind of was in the business world. But I remember early in my career, I think I was still in school. I built golf courses. It was a construction job, and I spoke relatively fluent Spanish, or so I thought, until I started working with the crews, and I just tried to speak Spanish, and very quickly realized I have no idea what it took me the entire summer to really get to a point where i knew what was going on i could keep up with the conversation i was able to do that and it actually had a direct. i mean it was construction but it still had an impact on my performance because yeah. i i was trying to figure out how to actually navigate this so it like we said it's a gap that sets people up for failure which is why when we first started talking i said this is an important conversation to have because we do so often just take this for granted. We assume we make assumptions about where people are at. So before we go too far now, cause we could go down this path all day. What, what is GoFluent? Because I'm sure people are listening, going interesting conversation. We're gonna keep going down this path to really highlight some of the value behind it. But how did GoFluent come in? Cause obviously over blueberry pancakes, it was enough to have you go interesting. I'm interested in that. And then when you left Skillsoft, despite the fact you were determined to not go back into ed tech, <laughs> here it, I it dragged yeah. you back in and here you are. So what was it about, go- what is it? And how do you describe it to somebody? And then what was it about it that really drew you in?
1: Yeah, GoFluent is um, a pure play um, uh, enterprise provider. So we work with large corporations around the world. Um, to provide a solution that helps them upskill their employees at scale across the enterprise. So in the old days, when companies thought about doing language learning, the approach was very remediation-oriented. It's like, let's go pick out the 10 people, the 15 people, the 20 people who need this, and we will you know, subject them to some sort of intensive program, and, and six yeah. months, they'll be- Fire you know, the
0: training cannon, Adam.
1: Exactly. Fire the training cannon. It's a great one. Um, that's, that's the old way of doing this, because, because the world has changed. We're, you know, companies don't exist in, uh, in locked geographies any longer. Every company that's trying to grow is trying to grow internationally and growing globally. They're acquiring companies. Yeah. They've got people- You know, one company told me this uh, earlier this week that they had that they had 150 languages spoken in their organization that they could count. Um, So so big companies have a multitude of of language needs around the globe. And then they often will say, well, English is our corporate language. OK, can I go to the LMS and take a, a, you know, find a development program to develop my English skills? Or maybe I've got some French in my background, and I'm interacting with the, the French team more often. And I want to develop my French and be more culturally aware yeah. of. So, there, most companies have not created those options. And what GoFluent is doing is working only on B two B. So you can't, you know, you can't buy us in airports. You you don't buy us off the internet. You know, with single seats off the internet. Everything it's not a Rosetta we do Stone. is geared towards the enterprise, and it's a. Uh, we work with organizations to integrate right in with their LMS. So Cornerstone, Workday, Skillsoft, Recipio, Some Sumtotal, Degree, Edcast, uh, SAP, Oracle, you name it. We integrate right in with the, uh, the LMS into training paths, um, into training plans, um, single sign-on, uh, easy access. And what we do is basically democratize... Language learning so there's a, a what we call um, uh, a corporate language academy where you okay. can select from one of nearly a dozen languages we have 10 right now two more coming this year um, and it's a sort of a multi-tiered approach to learning so there's the e-learning taking advantage of technology that helps yep. people um, develop the cognitive skills to um, to be able to absorb uh, language and to, be, to apply it um, and that's self-service. And then there's gotcha. a conversation class uh, component where I can jump into a uh, 24-7, I can jump into a conversation with up to five other people around the world and a live instructor and have a de facto practice session. And then so there's we, an
0: application component that's built. Into absolutely. So there's the absolutely. Like, yeah, you can kind of like consume things, but then also you want to go be able to do this.
1: It's happening takes at any practice. point
0: whenever you – well, I've – That's right. Yeah. <laughs> if you've practice. ever done anything with language and you're like, I'm going to learn this, but I'm not going to talk to anybody, yeah. good yeah. luck. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, and yeah, just as a sidebar on that, I mean years ago, I, I, I experimented with one of the consumer products, and I was so proud of myself. I had all these certificates posted on my wall how much I was learning – and then I went to uh, I went to France, and I, I felt like I had taken two steps backwards in, in my ability to, to converse. So, it's really the practice component that's key. So the okay. conversation classes is sort sort surrounds the e learning, uh, and then on top of that, we offer also offer one on one individualized classes. So, okay. um, and that's kind of uh, you know it, it gives you a more intense and a more personalized personalized um, uh, uh, path but the entire solution is integrated and the entire solution is personalized. So we have AI underneath it, that measures when you come in, it measures what your current level is, and then it will prescribe curriculum that's tailored just for you. So when a big company, you know, pick, pick a big company, I don't want you know, pick, you know and any company that has 50,000 employees, those employees who go through GoFluent, through the LMS and, 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 and embark on language improvement or development or learn it from scratch, Every one of those employees who goes in will get a personalized experience from the e-learning all the way through the conversation classes to the round one Everything is personalized.
0: So it's not just a one-size-fits-all, hey, let's just push everybody. Okay. Well, so that's, that's extremely helpful in terms of just even understanding how the different components fit together because, I mean, I've looked at the website. You and I have had some conversations, but I think that dials back what this is because what's interesting about it is your point the point earlier we made about the historical approach is we target a few people and fire the training cannon at them is really in many regards that's maybe some familiarity with what l and d is familiar with but in many regards this is handled outside of our walls a lot of times and i i think that's something that i'd be interested to hear with other organizations because what i've seen is A lot of times where there are language challenges, where somebody's trying to develop, you've got a manager that's maybe handling this with an individual, and they're off kind of doing their own thing, figuring out what they can do with it. But I'm curious how you're seeing organizations, because to me, that gap is a problem, because now you lose all visibility into spend, progress, whether it's work, you have no idea. This is now the ether of what's happening with language, where this would then actually bring it back into the fold, which... Before, historically, it was just too challenging to do it.
1: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I would say that um, the current state is, um, you know, the the remediation approach. And the second current state is that um, most companies, especially U.S. headquartered companies, tend to think of language as an issue for somebody else to deal with in the organization. So as a consequence... (laughs) You know, uh, let's take, as an example, a company with, that's in 90 countries, which is not unusual, yeah. right? Big country with 50,000 people No, 50, globalization, employees. that's globalization. not. That's yeah. not uh, you're, so you're in 90, 90 countries, um, and um, you're letting, you know, the local learning um, leaders deal with uh, language issues on a local basis. Um, they're going out and trying to assess the demand in their local location, which is always high. They're going out and sourcing um, vendors locally, and then they have one vendor for e-learning, a different vendor for for classroom instruction, a different vendor for this or that. Um, I was talking with a customer uh, two weeks ago. said they assessed their, you know, we're, we're talking about language. They went and did an internal assessment. They had 195 different vendors for language <laughs> across the world. Okay. Yeah, think I think about laugh, the redundancy. But that's not think surprising. Yeah, it's not the surprising. The redundancy.
0: It's not yeah. surprising at all.
1: And there's no consistency. There are no, no KPIs. There's no economies of scale. There's nobody really holding these, these uh different vendors accountable. There's no business alignment. Um and and each of these you know if you're using a local solution that's a technology based solution you've got to have security
0: audits and it's and another security. IT it's another it's IT crazy. nightmare
1: it's crazy when we have these centralized platforms like an LMS or an LXP that are already in place that are being centrally managed as a conduit for helping people to to match the needs with the with the, with the content or the you know the the development programs yeah that's where language learning belongs in large multinational companies. And in doing that, they can literally save, you know, some, the largest companies can save millions and millions of dollars in hard and soft costs by thinking about language learning as a global skill, as something that's, that's,
0: That we need to think about it as a skill. And I think just from a mindset shift, I think sometimes it's perceived as either we assume it's already there or it's a nice to have type of a thing that, like you said, we off put and say, well, if they don't have it, that's their problem to solve, not really ours. And I think shifting that to saying, no, in the age of upskilling, I mean, this is one of the biggest conversations in our industry right now. At the core, if you don't have language skills, it's almost impossible to build any of the other skills that you're going to need to be able to be effective in your role.
1: That's right. That's right. And it's not, you know, we kind of think of it as a, a binary type of, um, you know, you either have the language skills and we hire you or, you know, we, we, we filter you out. And we don't hire you. And it's really not that way in the real world. I mean, people get hired because they have a skill set. It could be a technical skill set. It could be a specialty. And they're brought into an environment where maybe language isn't all that important when they're first hired, right? So um, they can can do their jobs perfectly well in their native language, right? Because they're in Bulgaria or Romania or Hungary or Brazil or wherever. And and every day they're they're working.
0: Day to day, they don't need
1: Day to day, but, but they're really good at what they do. And now they're in line for a promotion. And the promotion may include managing people from a neighboring country or another part of the world. Um, those people need development in, in in language skills to be able to progress. And so it is a life-changing skill set that, um, again, you know, as, a, as an American, I speak as an American, as a, a native English speaker, you know, all the interactions we have with the web and everything, we think the whole world is speaking English, um, but it really is, um, still a very exclusive skill set. And and part of what we're trying to do is democratize this notion that language should be fundamental to every employee in every organization. And they should have the, the, the opportunity to develop that skill just the same way we give them the opportunity to develop any other core business skill because it's not yeah. distributed evenly. And no. um, it, it is the pathway and, and people recognize this outside the US. People recognize that to improve their lives to provide for their families to progress in their careers um you know language is the ticket and um uh they well they, they and
0: can... one of the things you brought up that i think is an interesting point that now and, I, and i'm seeing more and more of this around what's going on in the learning talent development spaces the lines are bleeding outside of what we do and i think this is where some of this fundamental mindset shift comes in is if you're looking at language just as a hey that's, that's maybe not necessarily our wheelhouse. Well, guess what? This is an opportunity for us as an organization, as a function, to actually be able to contribute to other big things. Because the example you gave, maybe somebody came into the organization at a level or at a role where it was fine that they didn't speak business fluency English. It was totally fine, wasn't holding them back. But now they're looking at upward mobility, and they're now capped. Because without that skill, they, they just can't. There's just no way for them to do it. Or they get moved into it. And I've seen this happen before. They move into it and quickly discover, I don't even have the tools to be successful because I don't have the fundamental language skills to communicate. And they just, boom, come crashing right back down. And that's that's destructive to your whole talent. That's destructive to your whole talent strategy, not just your L&D strategy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, language crosses. Um, you know, as you said, Christopher, it's it's not just the skill. It, it crosses in so many, so many other dimensions. I mean, you think about. Um, you know, obviously, over the last you know, year and a half, we've there's been a uh, an awakening of sorts in terms of diversity, equity, inclusion. What does that mean? How do we yeah. internalize it as an organization? How do we provide for it? How do we ensure our employees can grow? Um, i, I 've I've said on a couple of occasions you know there 's no L in d e and I yet, but there should be I mean language is as fundamental to you know having a diverse and, and equi- you know, equitable culture as as anything because um, you know when you 're global multinational and you 're trying to develop people you know, in all parts of the world, language is the common denominator, and um, it, it, it can be a very important component and should be a very important component of any diversity inclusion. Program.
0: Well, and it was interesting. Matthew, Daniel, and I were talking, I don't know when we were catching up, um, but we were catching up about this topic. And 2020 was a year where there was a lot of words, right, around this whole diversity, equity, belonging, inclusion space. There were a lot of words being said, but 2021 has really moved to the year of, so what are you going to do about it? Because it's one thing to say, this is important to us as an organization. It's important to us uh, in our values. It's another thing to do something about it. And I will say, I think some organizations, they want to, but they struggle to know, I'm not sure what to do about it. And to me, it was one of the things that when we first started talking, I said language is an opportunity to take action on this and from just my connections outside this isn't just an outside the u.s thing that's one of the other things that i found is when you start looking at you know frontline workers you look at different parts of the country not everybody in the united states speaks business proficient english yes so the assumption that even in oh well we're a u.s based company we don't do work outside the u.s That does not mean that everyone in the organization speaks fluently the language of your business, which may be contributing and likely is contributing to their upward mobility, their growth and their development.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. And if you look at what the um, where the workforce of the next decade is coming from, um, you know, for the technical skills that are required, they're coming from developing countries, right? They're coming from China, from India, um from brazil from parts of africa there's just there's an amazing wealth of technical talent um, and skilled talent that with the web and 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 the democratization of learning in general people around the globe for the first time are acquiring skills that are actually needed and and um in the workforce and so as companies globalize their you know their growth and their hiring and their workforce expansion is all outside the u.s so bring these people into the workforce, and in many cases, or some cases, bringing them to the U.S. as you as you point out. Um, so you know, if you're looking for, you know, let's say you're in the, um, you know, you're you're in a in the micro. Uh, semiconductor business, right? Okay. And you're looking for the best... Uh, the, <laughs> this the is best like
0: off the top of our
1: head, micro-semiconductors. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, micro. So, but, but you're looking for the best scientists <laughs> in that space, right, who understand, you know, uh, polymers and, and wafers, silicon wafers, and all this stuff, and you're hi- trying to hire these people. There aren't that many of them in the world, right? But some of them might be in, yes. in Eastern Europe. They might be in, you know, Russia. They might be in different places. And you want to bring those people. You want to bring, you know, uh, H-1B visas, bring them into the U.S., they may be the best technical people, and those are the people you want. And you're going to hire them because of their technical skills. And if their language skills aren't where they need to be, you're going to hire them because they've got the technical skills, right? Yep. And then you're going to, but but you cannot.
0: You have to have a plan. You've you, you to, to have with a it. plan
1: to develop them, right? Um, you know, if, if you're if you're looking to hire the you know the best brain surgeon in the world, are you going to hire the person with the best? you know, surgery skills, you know, who's the expert on brain surgery, are you are going to hire the person who speaks the best English? No, you're going to hire the person with the best skills and you can, you know, upskill them on the language piece. And that's with, with this global workforce that's evolving. And you look at the stats over the next 10 years, where all the jobs are coming from, it's developing economies and, um, and, and organizations to attract those individuals and to retain them and to develop them have to invest in, a, in an enterprise um, language solution.
0: Well, and, and it's it's such an important point. Hey, this all goes back to, like we said, this isn't just an L&D challenge. And I think this is where there's tremendous opportunity for, this is a perfect example of where L&D can step into the business conversation and be able to say, hey, here's what we're trying to do from a talent standpoint, and here's how we think we can open the talent floodgates. Because again, just even the internet in general has been a huge democratizer of just about everything so the fact that even the idea that well we're just a u.s based company we only have people in the u.s that's a very limiting mindset in terms of what you can do as an organization even if your plan is not to grow the company outside the u.s the example you just gave is are you really going to limit the skill set and potential of people that can contribute to your organization based on language proficiency I, i think that's a you're missing out if that's the approach you're taking.
1: Yeah, and, and, and it shows up in, in, um, in ways that um, I think are obvious when you start to think about it. And, and um, i give you a very real example. The company that uh, we work with, that's um, it's a large multinational company, it's headquartered in the US. Uh, we're working with one of their, their overseas units um, and they did a benchmark before they rolled out um, our program. And what they wanted to understand was um, this particular country did not speak English natively, but the corporate language of this organization, right? The global organization was English. So they, they wanted to understand how comfortable people were and how confident they were in doing the things that we take for granted every day, right? Reading an email in English, writing an email in English, giving a presentation in English, hosting a... A zoom call or a Teams call yeah, in English. Running a meeting in English. Participating in English. There was like five five different vectors that they want to understand, very basic business tasks that we do every day in and out. And they measured the confidence of the organization. And they were shocked at the how low the confidence was. And these employees who were hired, working in a you know in a corporation where English is the official language, and, and the folks that they surveyed were at the bus. So they they put them through a program, and, and after six months, they remeasured, and the stats were off the charts in terms of confidence, and a lot of times, that's what we're talking about here. GoFluence, we can, we can help people improve on skills that they already have by building their confidence to apply the language and to use it in a business context, and all the content we have, all the examples, the way we teach language is all in a business context. Um, and so, as we build that confidence, the organization was astounded to see the Rapid progression in confidence, and confidence leads to application, and it leads to business efficiency. If you feel confident
0: in doing something, you're way more likely to actually take ownership and do it. Yeah,
1: you'll and you'll ask a question on a conference call, or you'll instead of just sitting quietly
0: because you're like, I don't know that I feel comfortable being able to speak up, not because. Personally, I don't have a question or that, but I don't feel comfortable you that feel I can confident. say it yes. in a way that people are going to understand.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And, and just think about, like, human nature. Like, sometimes, you know, I'll get an email uh, from, from, you know, somebody, you know, who's got a reputation for, like, the long emails, right? It's like, <laughs> as soon as I open it, it's like, right? And I'm like, I don't know what it.
0: you're talking about.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'll deal with that one later, right? That's human nature. Yeah. Um, and, and the same applies to language. When it's not your native language, if you get the email and it's, it's you know, and it's like it's another English email, and, and I, you know, I, I, I'm going to put that one aside. That creates friction in a business that yeah, really, is, 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 you, know, is not, um, you know, is is definitely um, can be improved. And and that's the area we focus on. It's really helping organizations at scale develop these skills and, and help individuals develop the skills at their own pace um to the point where they build the confidence and and the ability to really apply language um, as they need to in their jobs
0: well and what's what's funny about the example you brought up of the email the 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 long email that you get it reminds me of a conversation i had with an employee once uh and it, it was actually kind of heartbreaking in some regards because we were talking about we actually were on this topic and as we were having a conversation. Now they weren't the one that when they got that long email, they filed it and said, I'll deal with that later. They were the one that was determined because they thought, they felt that this is so important. I really need to take the time to do this. And one of the reasons we were talking was they were struggling with work-life balance. They were struggling with work-life balance and it was killing them. And one of the contributors to it was the fact that They were determined to make sure they read all these emails because they didn't understand the language and they didn't want to miss something along the way. And so for them, they were spending a lot of time in Mm -hmm. meetings. They were going back, taking notes and listening to recordings to make sure they they picked up on things they were. So they were going. 10x now this person was a high performer in that sense but it was killing them professionally or personally because of the time spent and it was one of those things where i even remember in that moment going do we not have something that can help you build this skill so that you're not doing this now we were ending we ended up working something out but it ended up being a one-off training cannon type of approach and even at that time i thought I mean, it would be great if there was a better way to do this at scale, because if this person's struggling with it, they're not the only one. They're not the only person in an organization.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. And I think that, you know, it's um, companies are um, realizing this. And and I think that, uh, you know, the more L&D leaders I talk to and CLOs, um, they're seeing this as uh, as as. Um, uh, an issue and, you know, and, and the more global a company is, the more international that they are, the larger percentage of their workforce, that are non-native English speakers, um, you know, the, the more they can, the more they see the, um, the challenges within their an organization and, and, and want to move to uh, to address it. So, and um, so, uh, yeah, it's, um, it, it definitely is something that is, is becoming, you know, more prov- uh, prevalent on, on the radar of a lot of companies.
0: Yeah. So, one quick tactical question from Edwin. <laughs> he came Edwin, in. Yeah. Well, he there's ten. There's you mentioned ten languages. So, what are the languages uh, that currently GoFluent has? He asked about French and Portuguese. Like, what are the ten right now? You said you're adding some new ones.
1: Yeah. Oh, you're really gonna put me to the test here. Okay. So All right, English. Let's quiz you. English. I got, quiz. One,
0: I got one. I got right? <laughs> one. English. One. French. French. I feel like the count.
1: French. German. Spanish. Italian. Portuguese. Dutch, Russian, uh, crap. (laughs) Yeah. Put me to the test. French, German, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese, uh, Dutch, Russian, uh, Arabic, Japanese, and, um, Korea.
0: All right. All, All right, right. Look at there that. Look at that. Hey, you know what? <laughs> I didn't prep you for
1: that one. And, and, I did not prep you for that one. <laughs> no, you didn't. And, and, uh, um, and we also have um, a solution, you know, and the solution is more nuanced than you know, sort of the, the broad strokes that I, I let on earlier, but we also do accent refinements in English. Yeah. So you can have a high proficiency of English, but um, not be well understood or not have the confidence to, to present um, okay. because of, your, of a native accent. So we can help uh, refine uh, accents. Um, and uh, we also have a curriculum for English speakers, native English speakers, uh, to help them communicate more effectively in, in, organ, uh, in groups of non-native English speakers.
0: So that's a really interesting point to bring up because that I will say and I mentioned that briefly earlier that is actually one of the things that was one of the biggest eye openers for me when I moved into a global role was the fact that there is a lot of things that you just don't get when you step into a global role if you've spoken native English your whole career and now all of a sudden you're in a global role working with groups and functions and organizations that don't speak native English and and maybe are not at that same proficiently sea level.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything from, you know, word choice to cadence, speed, Examples you use. I and mean, we love as, as Americans, we love using you know sports analogies, you know. We
0: use so many analogies yeah, we're, that we're just the third completely
1: miss <laughs> <In the third laughs> you know, it was two strikes, you know, three strikes yeah, are out. I, I know, mean, you know, so I know. and
0: literally if yeah. you've been I think anybody who's ever done anything globally has been in that meeting where you use it and you look and you just go, You have no idea what I just said yeah. <laughs> if you're paying attention.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and 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 uh, I, it, it reminds me of uh, uh, Christoph uh, Ferrandu, our our founder. We were in we were in a meeting together um, uh, before the pandemic, obviously. But he came over and we had, I think I organized like six meetings in one day. Uh, and he was just you know got off the plane that morning, and I took him from one to the next. And by the end of the day, we were in a meeting, and uh, somebody used the expression "the straw that broke the camel's back." Okay, and now Chris, Chris is you know he's native French speaker, but his English is superb. He's, he's got full business proficiency, thinks in English, you know, he operates in English all the time, but that expression, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back, he couldn't process. And after the meeting, he pulled me, he said, pulled me aside. and said, John, in the middle of the meeting, they mentioned something about a camel. And I kept trying to figure out what where, where the camel came from in the conversation. What they, he said, and, and it kind of threw him off for the you know for the discussion because he was so busy trying to process, back process the expression that he was losing focus on you know the, the next you know a few minutes of the conversation. So that happens and it happens to the best uh, you know speakers if if it's not your native language. Yeah.
0: No, um, it does, it does. And and I think one of the things that, if anything, Native speakers who might be listening or watching this, that you can take for this is it's easy sometimes and even unintentionally to have an attitude on just that, well, they people should know what I'm saying because I'm speaking English. This is this, and that you got to be really careful of that because it is easy to fall into that trap, even if you're not quite as blatant in your mindset. Your attitudes, the way you talk, the way you think about things, not having that sensitivity to the fact that not everyone fully understands what you're saying. There is a good possibility and be looking for those cues, be watching for those things, be listening for that, because if people don't understand what you're saying, it's you've you're missing the mark. I mean, you're missing the mark. Yeah, you are.
1: You are, and and you know, just to go back for a second to the English for non-native English speakers. There's um, there's a, a bevy of, of um, academic research out there that talks about unbi- unconscious bias when yep. you know if you're if you're a native speaker and you're having a conversation with others that are not native speakers. As a native speaker, um, and the research backs this up, you know, shows that people will discount. The opinions, the you know, the, the perspectives of people who are who may struggle with the language or be not native yep. speakers, just because of the language, just because of the accent, and uh, and so one of the things that we try to do with the English for non-native English speakers is help them recognize that unconscious bias and and um, you know and 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 uh, deal with that as well, um, but uh, yeah, it's it is a fascinating space. I mean, Christopher, you asked me at the beginning why, why I'm in this space. It's just so fascinating and um, I, I really do feel like um, it is a skill set that can open opportunities to employees, you know, especially as a native English speaker, to be able to um, um, to, to develop skills in, in Mandarin, for instance. If, you, if you're so inclined to develop skills in, in, in Mandarin, um, you know, you can use GoFluent to to improve your, uh, to start to learn Chinese or to, to improve uh, that yeah. set, but, but also it doesn't just help you with language. It helps you develop cultural awareness, cultural of,
0: sensitivity, of cultural yep. Yep. awareness. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of, that's the thing. There's, there's a ripple effect to learning the language of another, of another country. So I am curious though, because one of these things that I think sometimes I've seen in conversations is this, well, it's now, I think we've unpacked the fact that, Okay, this isn't a well. Only five percent of people don't speak English. There, there's a large majority yeah. who don't speak English. So at it's at not a business
1: proficiency, yeah, right. At a business proficiency level.
0: So, my question to you is this: from an adoption standpoint, because this is one of the concerns I think a lot of times people have when they look at this is, well, if we do this, are people actually going to take advantage of this opportunity? What have you seen with organizations that have said, you know what, we're going to take the step to say language is a fundamental skill that we think everybody should have access to and opportunity to how do organizations work through is it something that just naturally people are picking up on what's been the experience for organizations yeah Uh,
1: that's a great question and I, I, i i can answer it this way um you know several years ago we started working with one of the largest consulting companies in the world professional services companies and um uh we they they had a decentralized strategy originally they you know every country was doing their own thing and they said this is crazy we have all these vendors and you know no controls so they they looked at centralizing and and we went through a whole process we were selected to be their global provider for for language um right through the um LMS which in this case is success factors um and i sat down with with our sponsor there um one year into the program on the one year anniversary and uh, met um, for coffee um, we were having big business review the next day but uh, I, I knew the stats I knew uh, knew what the impact of the program was and just informally we started talking and I asked her you know in your experience you know tell me what your experience has been so far you know, after one year how do you feel about the program and she said John I got one word for you I said okay <laughs> hope it's <a> good one. <laughs> oh no I hope it's a good one <laughs> And, and, and the word she used the word she used was astounding. We never thought in an organization like ours who hires yep. the best and brightest in all countries around the world, that there would be such an insatiable de- de- desire for improving such a basic skill language and And I think that and as I reflected on that conversation, I have many times since since that that discussion, um, it occurs to me that language Asking for help with language, especially in a in a in a organization where you're, you're supposed
0: hired, to be the
1: supposed to be, is almost taboo, right? It's it like is. yeah, yeah. But when you make it available and you make it um so it's not <laughs> it, 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 it it's not remediation. You're not the kid in the corner. You're not punished. You know? Oh, you you're, you're punished. not really
0: performing. It's we
1: really offered to, yep. and it's encouraged and and it's available and it's in the LMS and there's no stigma. People use it. And they use it in ways that I've that are off the charts relative to what I have seen in my experience with other types of, you know, traditional business skills learning, which is, you know, trying to get, you know, the the horse to drink the water. It's It, it can be very challenging. But with language learning, people feel that there's something, it's not just a professional requirement. It's not just something the company is mandating to do, which in
0: most cases, do. they don't, no. yeah,
1: it's something that's opening up, it's improving, it's enhancing their personal world. And, and, you and know, they see it.
0: It's funny you bring this up. I was curious the answer. It doesn't surprise me one bit. It doesn't surprise me one bit. And the reason it doesn't is that when you really think about it, people learn what they care about. I mean, caring about something is one of the number one drivers of whether somebody will learn something. If you don't care, you're not going to take the time and effort and you're not going to do anything with it. But if you care, you will. And everything we've talked about Language is one of those things where you have no choice but to care because you are faced with the challenges of it every single day. If you struggle with that language side of things, you are running into it every single day. And again, I go back to that conversation I had with this individual where every day it was a pain point. It was a pain point in every meeting, in every email they received, in every conversation. It hurt. And they wanted nothing more than to solve that pain point. And so again, you you bring up the taboo thing in an organization where we're all supposed to speak English and we're all supposed to understand everybody. And that's the culture to raise your hand and say, I mean, you even look at it now, even native English speakers, People don't like to speak up in a meeting and say, I'm not really – when we use business jargon and somebody just rattles off a bunch of – you'll see people's head nods. You're like, they don't know what just – I don't know what was just said. <laughs> There's no way everybody in here understands what was just said. And even in that environment, people are afraid to say, I don't know what we're talking about right now. So now you add that word truly, they don't know what you're talking about right now. Nobody wants to be the one to say – I don't speak English very well. Can someone help me? And by doing this, you're now creating an opportunity to say, hey, this isn't a stigma. This isn't a, 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 you know, a, a scarlet letter on your jacket. This is something that we're now creating opportunity for you to do because we care and we value your development and your growth. And it doesn't surprise me based on that, that an organization would be like in a sea of content that nobody seems to care about. This is the stuff that people are jumping on to. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's, uh, that's why it's so important for organizations to rethink how they approach language learning. Think about the power of the LMS to, distri- to distribute it, uh, to make it widely available, to let people know that it's there. Um, you know, leverage your DE and I group um, because there's there's value that we can bring to tangible value. We can bring, as you talked about earlier, Christopher, to DE and I program. This is really changing lives. Um, in fact, we we have you know we're mission driven company. We believe that um, language should give everyone an equal voice, and that's our mantra. Yeah. We've we've been saying that for years. And language is really the the great equalizer. And so we we believe, that. and I'll tell you, um, you know funny story. Um, you know, we talked about the pancakes, the blueberry ray pancakes and, 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 my first meeting with Christopher, uh, Christophe. Uh, but, but Chris, Christophe is amazing. So he's, he started this company, this is his company he started it 20 years ago. And, uh, he started because, I mean, he's, he's a brilliant guy. He, you know, he does uh, MBA at Sorbonne, you know, he's, he's, he's super smart. He got out, he was working for one of the big banks, French banks, I think it was Credit Lyonnais. Um, he was handpicked to go to New York on a rotational assignment, hypo, you know, so he goes to New York. Um, and he had very good, very strong conversational skills, probably, you know, I'm sort of, you know um, I would say business uh, conversations I have know about 20 years ago, but, but he had strong English skills. He was confident. He got to New York, and he was suddenly surrounded by fast-talking New Yorkers and Ivy League <laughs> whiz kids, and he was lost. He yeah. felt... And he will say, he, in his words, he says, yeah, I felt like a second or third class citizen because I just did not have the confidence. I couldn't communicate. I thought I knew this stuff. I do know it, but it takes me a long time to express myself. Yep. And so yep. he, he started uh, hiring, He started improving his English by hiring a personal coach. And he would, do this, he would do lessons over the telephone. And he went out to Radio Shack and got a little gadget to actually record the lessons on a cassette so that he could practice later. And he started doing this. And as his English starts to improve, other colleagues who were coming over from France were saying, hey, Christophe, what are you doing? Your, your English seems to be getting better. What you? And he started making copies of cassettes and passing them around. And then one day he said, wait a second. If I'm having problems and they're having problems, this is a problem. This, this is, is a problem I'm waiting for someone to solve. So he, he literally started the company on that uh, with, with the idea of, of finding great language instructors and pulling them in a way where they can be convenient uh, to do one-on-one lessons or small group lessons, and then built a whole e-learning platform around that with AI and sort of modern UI and Netflix-like design, all that great stuff. And that is what GoFluent is today. And and you know being able to deploy that at scale, it's really Chris's vision and Chris's mission to not have any employee in any company feel the way he did back in those days in New York. Um, because yeah. It You know, this is a life changer.
0: It is. It is. And I think that's why I was really excited to have this conversation, because regardless of what you're doing, if language is not on your radar, it should be. It really, really should be, um, regardless of, you know, it being 2021 and whatever, because it really is. Again, it's it's a it's a huge area to have opportunity and create opportunity actionably for your workforce. So this has been, I told you we would get to the top of the hour and still just be cruising. I could keep going, but (laughs) this was was a phenomenal discussion, John. I really appreciate you making the time. Uh, I really appreciate everybody tuning in. Hopefully this got your wheels turning a little bit more. There we go with the uh, <laughs> English analogies. You know, Got you thinking a little bit more about language and how does it fit into your strategy as part of what you're doing for workforce development and creating greater opportunity for the workforce. Yeah. So thanks, John, for being here. I sure. hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week and a great weekend.
1: Great. Thanks. Thanks so much, Christopher, and uh, appreciate the opportunity.